Onasum, good morning. This morning we'll return to mindfulness of breathing, of course, phase two. And once again, I'll, I'll front load it, so if you want to take notes, if you're or, or not already totally familiar with this practice, I'll say this, that the, yesterday's practice, this, the infirmary, the full body awareness, should be, it's quite sufficient actually, to firmly achieve stage one. Ta-da! But to move on to stage two, where, where during the course of your session, on occasion you'll be able to be continually engaged, that is, without course excitation, for as much as about a minute, or going around the rosary once, of Omane Pai Mehun. For that, there will, be, there, there will need to be, clearly, some degree of effort, some discipline, some, yeah, some real continuity, and so for that, then we move to the abdomen. Of course, you could do this full, with full body awareness, but now the abdo- focusing on the sensations of the abdomen is uh, a practice done, has been done for many, many years. I don't know how long in Japanese Buddhism and in, in Burmese Thai Buddhism, in particular, and of course, from there it spread. So now, as you'll re- well recall, I think, the balancing act here in this phase two is to maintain that sense of ease, relaxation, looseness that you have from the full body awareness and then very gently but persistently introduce the element of stability. And that requires some effort, some focus, some really kind of bearing down a bit, but of course not bearing down so much, not exerting so much effort, that you start getting tight. And that's absolutely crucial. And it's exactly at that point that the way we contemplatively cultivate attention and the way that the world, in the mundane sense, cultivates attention, this is exactly where the road forks. They will go there without much relaxation at all, and then they'll just start bearing down, bearing down, bearing down, and get the job done and be exhausted at the end. And so many psychological and neuroscientific studies of attention have demonstrated that's how attention works, by arousal, focusing, effort, and of course they won't use the words, but ego grasping and so forth. And then after, if the longer you do it, the more exhausted, fatigued, wiped out you'll be after you've done it. And then we have contemplatives like Genlam Rimba, uh, who would meditate from 5 o'clock in the morning till 1 o'clock in the morning and just feel sleepy, I guess, at 1 o'clock, but obviously not stressed out, you know. <laughs> and so it's a very, very different path, and this will lead to increasing sense of, uh, of looseness. Not only that you get loose and then stay loose, but by the time you're coming to the culmination of this path, you're sitting for four hours effortlessly, effortlessly with just sublime samadhi. That I don't think any air traffic controllers have managed yet. You know, it's a different st- a trajectory. So, for this practice, if, if this is all that you really master or really get really confident with over the course of eight weeks, I would say that's very significant. Because just focusing there and becoming very adept at it, familiar with it, confident, then that's enough to achieve stage four. Probably not stage five. The sensations here will remain relatively coarse. So that challenge of moving beyond coarse laxity will not be met. For that, you need a subtler object. But certainly getting to stage four is very significant. Now, now that we're in the sixth week, just now and then we might think about the lives that we're going back to. And actually, we're not going back. We're going forward to a life we've never had before, which in some respects will be similar to what we came from. As somebody, Mark Twain or somebody, somebody said, it's a nice phrase. He said, history never repeats itself, but it does sometimes rhyme. <laughs> I like that very much. So you're not going back. I mean, eight weeks will have passed in addition to whatever will, you know, time getting here and going back. So you're not going back to the life that you had before. That one's finished. Sorry, you're dead. You know, that one is dead and gone, buried. You're reborn in Phuket. 
you're having a rather short lifespan here. <laughs> and then you're going to be reborn someplace else, and it's going to be a brand new life, bearing some similarities or rhyming in certain respects with your lifestyle before you came here. But you can imagine you may, just it's possible, it's remotely possible at least, that you might have some emotionally challenging days where a bit of tension, stress, conceptual agitation arises, in which case just being able to go into the supine position and attend to the rise and fall of your abdomen could be a pretty nice break of just getting grounded, calming the mind, releasing the mind, releasing the mind. And so what we're seeing here is the progression out of a sense of ease where we're kind of comfortable with, not upset by the OCDD. You know, so thoughts are churning. Of course they're churning. That's true even for nomadic Tibetans. Churning, churning thoughts. That's why they also have to start at stage one and stage two and so forth. But you're more at ease with it. The mind is going blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of like listening to a person with, with whom you've gotten totally bored. And they go blah, 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 like that. You know, not just troubled by, you know, all the stuff they're saying because it's just, you know, not that important. And so that's a bad analogy, but we'll move right on. You know, but not being troubled by the, con- the con- commotion of your mind, but just be more at ease and the mind blasts on. And it's okay, whatever. But now we g- gently get it to quiet down. Okay? So out of the sense of ease, then a sense of inner calm, of composure, increasing sense of quiet. Right? Extremely useful. So the, the practice in short now, just to summarize the method itself, I am drawing from the Dzogchen tradition to suggest that during inhalation, you kind of focus, arouse, really concentrate. That's where the effort comes in. So you're really drawing your awareness in, samadhi. And then with the out-breath, you release, but not so much that you just kind of, you, you lose your mind. Uh, and so inversion, release, inversion, release with mindfulness, monitoring with introspection. Of course, you remember the antidotes, releasing, coming back for excitation, arousing in response to laxity. And then counting the breaths, one brief count at the end of each inhalation, insofar as you find that helpful. So that's kind of the practice. There was one other point. Maybe that will be enough for now. Yeah. So out of relaxation, calm. And the more there is that sense of calm and composure, of centeredness, then I think you will find not only that you're sustaining the sense of ease and relaxation, but actually that's quite relaxing for the mind to be calm. And so then you can already get a synergy between the deepening sense of relaxation and the increasing of stability. And as soon as you get that kind of that ball in motion, as soon as you get going on that trajectory, that's going to lead to really good places. Your stability getting better, 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 but your relaxation going deeper and deeper, deeper, then it's only a matter of time before you can attend to vividness, right? But it's a good trajectory because you've been sitting for one hour, four hours, six hours, and not getting stressed out. That's really, so this is a turning point. The simple practice here sets you on a contemplative path of cultivating attention versus just getting stressed out, headaches, blah, 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 because we're just trying too hard, okay? So please find a comfortable position. Ah, yeah. As you're settling in, here is the final point. And that is in response to Alan's question yesterday about noting the, 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 long, the long in-breath, long out-breath, short in-breath, short out-breath. All of that you can do in phase one. But now when the Buddha goes to that next phase of attending to the whole body of the breath as one breathes in, the whole body of the breath as one breathes out, 
Of course, what he's suggesting here is a continuity, that you are engaged, your mindfulness is continually engaged with the sensations of the breath all the way through the course of the in-breath, all the way through the course of the out-breath. That's how you achieve stage two, and then stage three and stage four. And so we're now moving into the third of four stages of this practice that the Buddha himself suggested, and with this one particular interpretation that we're focusing on the abdomen, which the Buddha didn't teach, uh, but then he didn't specifically designate exactly where you should be focusing. He left that for his students to unpack, and they have. Okay? So, let's begin.
Another so. Among you, I believe there are a few at least who intend to transition from this retreat here and continue in full, full-time practice for some time. Um, see how far along the path of shamatha you can, you can go. And in order to achieve shamatha, as you bear that in mind, you might recall one of the inner prerequisites for achieving shamatha. In Tibetan, it's called Durbala Sobenando Yongzu Pangba, rolls off the tongue. And that is the complete elimination of obsessive, compulsive thinking such as those around desire. Okay? In other words, not just during sessions, but just overall, your ground state in between sessions should be not caught up in the same old obsessive, compulsive, conceptual patterns, the rut. But think when you want to think. Think creatively when you want to think creatively. Just be present to your senses, but don't fall back into really kind of a conceptual addiction because it's just a way of killing time, right? So, <coughs> so one of the most practical ways of kind of closing the door on that just obsessive flow of utterly useless and fatiguing thought. Somebody commented that it's really like just an energy drain, having that thought that just blah, 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 flowing on on and on and on throughout the course of the day. It's just exhausting. Even if you're just sitting, sitting in a room and just having the thoughts go, you'll be exhausted at the end of the day just because all that thought coming on with no value, almost no value at all. So one of the easiest ways, practical ways to close the door on that is maintaining, as you're doing whatever you're doing about in between sessions, just a peripheral awareness, just kind of keeping your finger on the pulse, a peripheral awareness of in-breath, out-breath, kind of a groundedness in the body in a non-conceptual mode, mindfulness of breathing. Very useful. Yeah, And then, for those who are going back to more socially active, engaged way of life, uh, then I'm, 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 I imagine you would really love not to lose all of the attentional skills that you develop here, in which case, once again, to have this in between your tasks. You have many, many tasks to do, but it's not 24 hours a day. It's not every waking moment. And that is in between sessions, just coming back to the breath, back to the breath. This is a way to maintain just an overall higher level of mindfulness, of presence, and a decrease of the fatigue that's just bound to go along with obsessive compulsive ideation. So, very practical, practical method. Hola, so, enjoy your day. I'll see you a bit later.